what, what is keeping people from enjoying the outdoors? Because the outdoors belongs to everybody. And then uh, invite those people to help teach you on what it would look like to expand access and opportunities. And I think if we do those things, if, if we just let our enthusiasm be contagious and if we're willing to open our hearts to learn and to be pressed on things, I think, I think that um, you can go be the seed that grows something really big. The Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at actualoutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 161 of Life in Motion. I've got Benjamin Morse with me from the Outdoor Recreation Alliance. They're dedicated to building happy, healthy, and resilient communities by providing access to equitable and sustainable outdoor recreation experiences. I'm excited to hear a story and how they're making sure that everyone can enjoy the outdoors. Uh, Benjamin, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'm uh, it's a real big privilege to be on this. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited. Uh, I came across, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was actually from one of our customers reached out uh, after doing that. I was like, hey, you should check out uh, check out what they're doing over here. So I'm I'm super excited about that. But before we get into um, outdoor recreation alliance and all that stuff, let's start with uh, you know who who Benjamin is. You know where you're from, where you grew up, kind of what led you down this this path. Yeah, great. Um, it's uh it's been a pretty wild ride so far. So I'm not originally from Wisconsin. I am from uh, Southeast Michigan, a town that probably nobody has ever heard of called Grosseal which actually is an island where the Detroit River lets out into Lake Erie. So it's a pretty unique place to grow up. Um, it's part of Metro Detroit, which is this five and a half million person, big sprawling area outside of the urban core of Detroit. Um, but when you cross the bridge to get on the island, you kind of, I always think of it as Detroit's only small town. <laughs> so as opposed to most of the other communities, I grew up with uh, huge tracts of woodlands and, of course, a lot of waterways uh, with the Detroit River um, surrounding most of the island and then the southern end of the island dipping out into Lake Erie. So, you know, from certain places, you could just look out onto one of the big Great Lakes and and watch where the water meets uh, the sky at the horizon line. Yeah, that sounds that, no, that sounds uh, beautiful. I didn't know that kind of little. It sounds like a hidden gem almost there um, outside of the city. Well, it's definitely a little gem. It's also one of those places. Like I would imagine, uh, you know, I currently live in a town that is an outdoor recreation paradise, and I have a feeling that when my daughters become teenagers, they'll want to get the heck out of here, and then they'll go <laughs> and go. Oh man, I had a really, really good. And that's how I felt. You know, I couldn't wait to get out of Grosseal. And now when I go back to visit family and friends, I realize what an absolute privilege it was to grow up with so much nature around me and to have parents who understood the importance of time outside and really let my brother and I run pretty wild um, (laughs) out in the water. So absolutely so so when you were uh, out running wild uh, with your brother what what kind of things you know were you doing kind of exploring out on the water just kind of all of the above or, or was there something that you kind of specifically yeah. gravitated to as you got older well you know in my backyard my backyard was this uh pretty big expanse of woods so i'd get home from school 
And uh, I think a lot of kids went to go play basketball with their friends or it's Michigan. So they went to play street hockey or went to their hockey league. And I was just uh, dropped the backpack off in the driveway and immediately opened the door, grabbed my dog and head back into the woods where I would play until it was time to eat. And I had a bunch of good friends and we built lots of forts and played lots of games. And one of my best friends, uh, when I was a kid, Evan still has a huge scar right by his eye from where we, you know, played swords with large sticks and (laughs) truly an ideal way to grow up. And I would say, you know, before we jump too far ahead, that I think that laid the foundation of realizing later on why outdoor uh, time spent outdoors is so important. I can't think of a better place for a kid to get to learn and explore than, than a giant woodlot. And, you know, as I grew up, most of the people uh, gravitated towards power boats or jet skis. And I've always been a little probably different than a lot of the kids I grew up with. I worked all summer one year so I could buy a kayak and <laughs> um, bought this kayak. And I had parents who were awesome. And maybe some people would raise their eyebrows, but there I was at like 14, 15, taking a 13 foot kayak out. Uh, they always told me to stay, Gross Seal is actually a bunch of islands, and they wanted me to stay in the canals and not go out into the open water. So we all know what I did. I went immediately <laughs> out into the open water, found out things like you can surf, uh, you can kayak surf the wake of a freighter, which <laughs> was my efficient way of moving back upstream when I had gone far downstream. You could just, if you could get up close to a freighter, and they were always chugging through this area called the hole in the wall. And you could grab one of those rollers and just kind of surf it back up against the current and just a lot of exploring, a lot of camping on the surrounding islands. Um, just really a great time, but um, that really informed my sense of love for the outdoors and of adventure. And, um, you know, in my lifetime as well, seeing the Detroit River rebound was a very important part of, of, uh, of my life. The, the Detroit River has undergone a really beautiful story of restoration. Um, the places where I kayaked as a kid are now um, the first place in the Detroit River ecosystem to have a, a sturgeon habitat restored, and sturgeon are spawning there for the first time in over a century. And wow. um, I, I a lot of the people working on those projects, one of them was my uh, confirmation mentor back when I was growing up going to confirmation class. And so oftentimes confirmation class was more about the outdoors, which was totally awesome for me and uh, just a little bit supportive community. And I would say a place that allows kids to, to, to play in those types of places, which is, is super important. Yeah. That sounds like uh, some, some fun adventures and, you know, getting resourceful with the kayak surfing and everything, you know, when you were yeah. a little, a little too far out. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, that's awesome. And, and, and you know, I kind of had a, a similar kind of childhood as far as not really, um, going out on the water as much, but, you know, forts, all that kind of stuff. Um, and while I don't have any friends that have, um, a big scar across their face from, um, uh, playing, uh, sword fighting with sticks, uh, I did break my, my ring finger, um, that no longer bends before. Cause there's a, there's a huge, huge puddle one time. And me and my friend thought it was a great idea to get these bricks. Cause it was like a demolished site type of deal. Uh, throw it across mm-hmm. there to try to splash each other. Terrible idea. Mm-hmm. I was bending down to pick up one <laughs> as he threw one and it sandwiched my finger together. Um, so I do have that memory. So not a scar, but you know, I can't, can't move half my finger, but. <laughs> well, if that's, a, if that was the price of entry to a childhood outdoors, I would imagine 
that's gonna be worth it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good story. So it just that reminded me of that. But so, so obviously, you know, you you had all these kind of great adventures growing out, uh, growing up. Uh, obviously, really took to the whole kayak and everything like that. And then, so, so you mentioned, you know, you, you eventually moved away from the area. So was that for school that you moved away or like what, what kind of, you know, took you out to, you know, obviously where now you go back, you're like, oh, I, I had, I had a really good, um, but what was kind of that part of the journey? Yeah. When I was 18, I graduated high school and I went up to North central Michigan in the mitten part of Michigan, the lower peninsula. And I attended central Michigan university and um, which is a pretty standard Midwest small town kind of college town, um, mostly surrounded by cornfields. So that was my first time really experiencing life with a lot of people who had a more rural upbringing in kind of that ag sector of things. Um, and I ran track. And for a lot of time, I, I remember um, that was always a big tension in my life is I was on this track team and uh, I it was a good experience, but I didn't love it as much as I think some other folks did because I, I really wanted more time to camp and to hike and to do those things as well. Um, I found sometimes it was a, a, a bit boring to run around a circle constantly. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there were great opportunities to go camping with friends and where the location was. We weren't too far away from really some of the great recreation opportunities uh, in the Northwoods of Michigan and crossing the big bridge and getting into the UP, which is a pretty uh, wild place. And, um, but you know, at the time, if, if you would have asked me then, if, if at 41, I would have ended up in the outdoor rec field, I, I don't think I would have seen myself there. I was going to be a history teacher. I ended up not doing that. I ended up then from um, graduating co uh, undergrad, I uh, attended a uh, seminary in Dubuque, Iowa, and that was my first time in this magical place that we'll probably talk about a bunch today called the Driftless Area. Um, Dubuque is a town about three hours south of La Crosse, where I live now, again on the Mississippi, but on the other bank of the Mississippi, but in the bluffs and rivers that define uh, the Driftless Area. And it was then when I really, um, really fell in love with the ecosystem around here. Um, but then I had all, all these other opportunities. My second year, I went and spent a year of my grad school in Germany, in the southern part of Germany, in Bavaria, which has a really strong outdoor culture. So that was great because that was weekends where we would just pile, like eight of us would pile into a tiny Volkswagen Golf meant for four people, <laughs> but we would drive down to the Alps and then you could spend the weekend hiking in the Alps and swimming in freezing lakes, um, move back to the States. Then took an internship up in northern Minnesota, where I lived on the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe Reservation. And uh, there really got one great outdoor access, but the opportunity to uh, live and learn from the original stewards of, um, of this land uh, in the Northwoods here, the Ojibwe people. Uh, moved back to Dubuque, graduated, and then I moved back to Metro Detroit. And, but this time I didn't move to a magical little island. I moved to <laughs> major suburban sprawl. And it was at that point where my, you know, at this point I'm married and uh, our first kid comes along and we were living on uh, six mile road. So, you know, two miles south of the famed eight mile road of Detroit out in this uh, pretty massive 90,000 person, pure suburb, like built on a grid with very little 
outdoor access. And I realized at that point that this is not how I wanted to uh, move through life. And this is not where I wanted to raise my kids. I mean, nothing against it was great people there, really supportive uh, folks that I worked with. But um, it was that was the first time in my life where I didn't have access to really uh, holistic outdoor spaces. And I felt it deep in my bones. And yeah. the opportunity came eight years ago to move here to lacrosse to take uh, a job. I was a uh, so for 14 years, I was a Lutheran pastor, and okay. I also taught theology at the local Catholic university, and so I worked with college students, and that was awesome. Uh, I got to take my outdoor rec background, and uh, you know, I worked at, I, I, I probably even some chunks out, I've worked at summer camps and in outdoor immersive experiences, so I brought that, and we did a lot of amazing trips where we, you know, I took backpackers out uh to well, cloud peak wilderness bob marshall wilderness we went down and we paddled um down by your neck of the woods um the buffalo river in arkansas which oh, is yeah. an amazing amazing place to paddle and um more and more i found myself uh uh really gravitating towards wanting to do more things that were about uh getting people outside getting people in touch with nature. And I really think that we, um, you know, we build connections, not just uh, to nature, but we build connections to each other. And we build deep, I think when we spend time outside, we, we start to uncover the depths of who we are as people. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I definitely, definitely agree. And it, and it sounds like, you know, you, you couldn't get it, couldn't get away from the, uh, the outdoors, you know, after having that, that realization in, in Detroit. Um, and, and yeah, to your point, I feel like, you know, there's be, being outside, it's, you know, it, depending on what you're doing, you know, you, you things don't always go as planned. So you kind of learn to adapt and you're, what you're with people, then you, you know, you kind of learn how to do that together. And then of course, kind of having that greater appreciation for, um, oh, here's this piece of trash on the ground. You know, maybe I should pick it up because, you know, I want this place to be beautiful, even though it's not my trash and type of things. Um, Absolutely. so, yeah, so it, you know, obviously you, you kind of, uh, you know, moved, moved up uh, or that way. Um, and then kind of started shifting kind of that mindset as far as, you know, um, the grander scheme, I guess, of, of helping others, not necessarily just, you know, yourself get outside. Is that the time, uh, I guess, was there, was there a step between, um, outdoor recreation Alliance or is that, did you, how, how did that kind of, I guess, come about that you, that you learned about them and, and kind of, um, wanted to do something? Well, you know, I, I learned about the Outdoor Recreation Alliance. Um, the first Google search that I did about lacrosse was lacrosse outdoor recreation. Because <laughs> if we were going to uproot and move to a place that my wife's from Des Moines, Iowa, I'm from Detroit. So we knew we were going to move somewhere where we weren't going to be around people that we like the communities that we had and that we'd built. Uh, it was important to um, know that there would be really good outdoor recreation opportunities and to get to know the people who build those communities. And coming out of the Google search, the first two things were, was a video that Aura had produced like probably like 15 years ago, uh, introducing, uh, at that time, it was the longer name, the Seven Rivers Outdoor Recreation Alliance. And they had this video with some, uh, I believe it was, this was like pre-drone times. Somebody had rented a helicopter and taken some, <laughs> some and you got to see this landscape from the air um, 
And for me, it's not just about getting on to, to great trails. Uh, it's also about water. I felt very deeply in my bones that my, just like I had the opportunity to spend time in water, I wanted my, my, my daughters to be able to just be with water. And, you know, Mississippi runs right through the heart of, of this part of the country and lacrosse sits on it. So, you know, I look out one window and I can, of my house and I can see the bluff lands that um, Aura stewards the trail system on. And then if I walk to the other end of the house upstairs and look out the window, I can see the bluffs of Minnesota. And, and um, I know that in between those two bluffs is, you know, one of the largest and most important waterways on the planet, which is the Mississippi. So um, the other uh, thing that I found was an outside magazine article, which was listing the best outdoor towns to live in. And it listed lacrosse. Um, <laughs> he was all right, I'm sold. I mean, this was before I even had the interview. <laughs> with uh with um lumen and i was i was like all right i'm sold on coming to lacrosse and then you know i i spent uh a lot of really good years uh doing the the pastor thing being here and then of course i think probably a story that, that millions of us now experience and then COVID, and that yeah that changed a lot and i realized that um I'm very grateful for my time that I've had working with the Lutheran church, uh, that it wasn't where I was at anymore. And I was actually at one of our great little, uh, you know, you'll be surprised that uh, Wisconsin and lacrosse have some good places to grab a beer. And I was meeting with a friend uh, and talking about a job opening um, at the organization that he works with. And we had this great conversation about, would this be a good fit for me? And it was in development work. And, um, you know, we had this great conversation. I, I get home and uh, he texts me like almost immediately after I got home. And he said in the text, it was something along the lines of, you know, I think you could do the job at my organization well. But did you just see that Jed just posted this? And Jed's our, the executive director at Aura. And he had posted uh, a picture of him doing some brush burning, some uh some invasive honeysuckle burning in a brush pile, you know, in February when we get to burn brush, you know, not worry about forest fires. And he was holding um, um, the job description that he was working on in his hands. And he said, we're going to be, stay tuned. We're hiring a development director because we have this big plan and we're looking for somebody who can help us with this. And in that moment, I pretended that I was not interested because I knew it was such an amazing opportunity. I I was like, I can't get my mind around the idea of working for Aura. Aura is too amazing of an organization that if I don't get the job, I'll just be too sad. <laughs> and so I, I tried to play it cool. And my wife knew better. She said, you're playing it cool because you're all in already. <laughs> I'm already daydreaming about what it would be like to be there. And, um, you know, the team at Aura is just amazing people. And they have dreamt big dreams and then they've worked really hard to make those dreams a reality and the ability to join that team to work on this big project that we're we're uh we're all in on right now it just seemed amazing so i i you know put my app in and got the interviews and then I, they they said yeah let's go for it and um, so <laughs> this is my eighth week for two months i've been the development director at the outdoor recreation alliance so i'm still pretty new and I would say what's amazing is, um, you know, I, I wear my Aura hat or my Aura shirt, and there are people in this town that just have stopped me and said, you're the new development director for Aura. And, I, you know, Aura is just, it's, the community here really embraces Aura because 
the community here benefits every day from the work that Aura does. And Aura isn't just the um, the five-person staff and the board of directors. Aura is, uh, you know, we, we, we call the people affiliated with us our trail friends. And our trail friends are everybody from those who walk the trails and pick up the trash along the way to the over 700 volunteers who find themselves with shovels and hose working on the trails to build these this sustainable trail system to the folks who, you know, when, when they uh, get ready to figure out how they want to be generous with their finances and their time consistently pick Aura in this community because we live out that mission statement that you read at the beginning about building, you know, we build trails, but what we really build is a happier, healthier, more resilient community through equitable and sustainable outdoor recreation. Yeah, it's well, it sounds, you know, kind of how how everything kind of happened serendipitously. And of course, you, you know, you uh, crushed the job interview, obviously, since you've been there for for eight weeks. Um, so what what was I guess, uh, and maybe this is a good time to kind of talk about, you know, what was that big plan or what you all are, are what you all are working on, um, you know, that they're looking for somebody to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, fill this position that that you did. Um, of that scope. And it's, it's, and also just a side note, it's awesome to hear kind of the, the community recognition and appreciation that the organization has. Yeah. So Aura is about 20 years old and it started with like, I think this is a common story in the outdoor community. It started with a handful of dedicated enthusiasts, folks who looked at our bluff lands, these, uh, uh, can I do a quick aside? I keep dropping the word driftless. Are you familiar with the term driftless area? No, let's, yeah, no, let's go ahead and cover yeah. that. I think covering that helps open up the rest of the story. So um, for all of the folks who are listening, when you close your eyes and think in the Midwest, you probably think of a red barn in a silo or maybe Chicago style pizza. But probably what you don't think of is 500 foot limestone cliffs towering over river valleys and uh, streams in every single valley that produce one of the most productive and lauded cold water trout fisheries in the world. And that's because uh, there were, you know, there was a whole thing, the ice age that over um, thousands of years, glaciers came out of, out of Canada and, and pretty much flattened most of the Midwest. I always say Michigan is, I would say Michigan is as flat as a pancake, but that's slightly insulting to pancakes because pancakes are, are domed, <laughs> right? The Midwest tends to be pretty flat, except for this one area. Um, I mean, there are uplands around Lake Superior and stuff like that, but there's in the heart of the Midwest, uh, specifically centered around southwest Wisconsin, southeast Minnesota, northeast Iowa, and northwest Illinois, but most of it's in Wisconsin. The glaciers, the last three major glaciations broke around this area, and they never got clobbered with the glaciers. And so the landscape here is ancient. So you're looking at what, uh, what, I, what I, I believe to be what the landscape would have looked like before the glaciers, uh, you know, scraped the rest of the Midwest down. And this kind of geological anomaly made for a really unique ecosystem. So the, it's called driftless because the soil that glaciers leave behind is called glacial drift. And we don't have any of that soil because we don't have glaciers. So unlike like Minnesota and Michigan and the rest of Wisconsin, we don't have any natural lakes in this area. It's all rivers and streams and large sandstone and limestone bluffs that the uh, streams have carved out over thousands and some places millions of years. And um, 
it's created uh, just these really unique abilities to um, to be on the land. It created uh, the situation most of the Midwest uh, that is farmable is covered in very large farms because you can get very large farm equipment. You can't do that here. So if you come to our area, you'll see these. It's still the home of lots of smaller uh, smaller farms and um, it's the home of uh, a lot of the country's organic agriculture, and it's always been forward-thinking for over 100 years. This area has been on the leading edge of good ecology and uh, good land stewardship. And so about 20 years ago, a group of people were looking at this big forest parkland that we've had for over 100 years in La Crosse, and they had some dreams about putting mountain bike trails on. And from there different people with different passions kept coming together. That original group was called Human Power Trails. And as it grew, it eventually other groups, you know, and people joined in, it became the Outdoor Recreation Alliance because it was mountain bikers and it was hikers and prairie enthusiasts and uh, paddlers. And really any anybody who wants to have fun outside or just be outside is part of the alliance because we're all in this work together. And it grew. And as it grew, it kept building in best practices, and it, it really grew exponentially, and it grew through uh, the development of different projects and different initiatives, and every time uh, Aura has built more trails, more outdoor recreation opportunities, it's developed more capacity to build more things because more people join in, and they bring in their gifts and their talents, and the visions keep getting bigger. And so that brings us to the big project, which is uh, right now we're calling it the trail farm. And so Aura just purchased 277 acres of an old farm just at the edge of town. And it's in concert. So there's that set piece. And there's this other thing that we're working with called the Blufflands Initiative, where uh, the, the cities, counties, and municipalities that make up our region along with conservation and recreation organizations have all come to the table and said, well, it's our turn to protect and steward and expand um, recreational access and conservation easements and all these good things that lead to more land being protected and more trails being built and more people able to recreate and transform their lives on it. And so part of that is, is the goals are land acquisition uh, easements through private land, and this idea that we have this whole ridgeline of bluffs right off the Mississippi. If you want to think about a way to think about it, you know, folks out in Denver call that first line of mountains the front range, right? So yeah. this is the Mississippi Valley's front range, and we want to see a huge trail system that links from the southern end of our county all the way to the northern end of our county. And our friends over in Minnesota are working on their own initiatives to, to, to work on their front range. And we took this big, bold vision to be the first organization to say, all right, let's, let's get after this land acquisition. So we bought 277 acres and we're going to turn it into a trail farm which is going to be a place where we're going to be building 15 miles of world-class trails, trails that uh, have lots of different uses. At the core of it are going to be these mixed-use shared trails, trails that are also accessible for all abilities, um, a place for the community to come together, because we know there's lots of barriers to outdoor recreation. 
And we want to make sure that, that in our work, we're removing as many of those barriers as possible. And that can be from trails that are wheelchair accessible to making sure that there is a public bus line that gets you out to the trail to making sure that there's equipment on that. Because a lot of outdoor recreation, let's be honest, it requires a big checkbook to buy some of this yeah. equipment. So we want to say, well, how can we empower uh, folks to be able to use equipment that we have that we're not going to be trying to, to um, you know, there's no bar of entry based on what your finances are for getting out here. We'd like to see a trail system where everybody is able to use parts of it. And we know we're going to also build some, you know, bomber fun mountain biking trails up in our steep bluffs. We also see uh, there being a community and education center because one of our goals is like there should just be a constant stream of school buses from all of our local schools coming to yeah. the trail farm, getting kids outside, providing the educational opportunities that allow people to, to head into these environments. Um, we're going to be doing a full stream restoration, working with our partners who know a lot about that so that um, this Cold Water Creek, Pamel Creek, that runs at the front end of our property is a place where brook trout thrive and people of all abilities can be casting flies out there. And I mean, the idea is to really get everybody, I mean, we mean everybody outside because we know, I mean, and, and you know this as well, all the empirical data shows it, we are happier, we are healthier, and we are more resilient when we spend time outside. And so that's the trail farm vision. Uh, I feel like I both spoke a lot, and I've probably talked about 1% of what it could be. <laughs> I would say the the scope of that is, um, I mean, you just kept going, like from education centers to to all the different things, which is awesome. Uh, and it sounds like yeah, a, a super... when he listens to this, he's going to say, "You forgot to talk about this, 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 and this." <laughs> I don't have five hours to talk about everything this could be and more. <laughs> no, no, but that that's that's amazing. It sounds like a really fun fun project but also that's going to be really beneficial to the outdoor community and even people that wouldn't at this time consider themselves part of the outdoor community by, by creating that accessibility um, and, and tearing down those barriers, which is, which is awesome that you all are thinking about that project from, from that side of things as well. Um, and, and so, so, so with you only being uh, I think you mentioned eight weeks into the organization uh, as, as a, as a member in that sense, it has, has it only been eight weeks since this whole project has kind of kicked off or like, what is it, what is the timeline for something kind of so massive sort of look like? Well, you know, it goes back a lot longer than eight weeks or even, even a year. Um, though, if I'm not mistaken, this Blufflands coalition, this pride, the dream for how we, uh, connect all of our, all of our Blufflands together, that's at least seven years. But I think this, project has its roots in um in the community spirit that's been here i mean frankly for thousands of years people have been recreating in this region since the last ice age if not earlier we know that uh the ho-chunk were the original people of this land um this area where these rivers all converged together was a, was a major hub the city's called lacrosse because the first um the first European folks to come to this area saw indigenous people playing, you know, uh, their ball and stick game, which the French called lacrosse. And so the wow. full old name of this place is Prairie du Lacrosse. So the first time Europeans ever entered into this watershed, they encountered people playing here. And, um, you know, uh, just over in Madison at Lake Mendota, they've just uncovered 
they found in the last year two canoes that are thousands of years old, <laughs> right? Uh, at the bottom of Lake Mendota, right in urban Madison. So we just know that this region has long, long been a place where people have lived uh, good lives and have played hard because this landscape begs you to play hard on it. And so, you know, you take that to the beginnings of Aura and Aura keeps bringing on big, bold visions and then keeps doing the hard work and building the community coalitions to make it happen. So this, this uh, the trail farm is the result of years of planning and dreaming about how we expand outdoor access, take down barriers and get more people outside to play. But it's also, this is not the end point. We view this as a starting point of the next chapter of recreation and conservation in our area. Yeah. No, no, that that sounds great. Uh, Definitely interesting. Uh, I was actually curious why it was uh, called lacrosse. And, you know, I have have no clue why half the the town that I live in, why it has its name. So it's kind of cool to hear that. Um, So so with that, obviously, you know, there's a lot of community involvement in in the the project and it's in itself, you know, from the different um, outdoor enthusiasts. I'm sure there's other businesses and stuff that are kind of getting behind it, of course. What are is there any kind of insight into that? And then like also, is there do you all have like like large like fundraiser event type things that kind of help kind of propel this or or what does that sort of look like? One of the things that makes lacrosse not just a community to move to or to, you know, come in for a weekend, but a place where you say, all right, well, this is where I am and this is where I want to stay is lacrosse continues to always impress me in how it invests in itself. So lacrosse, um, you know, we're anchored by two truly world-class healthcare systems, Gunderson Healthcare and the Mayo Clinic has one of its big uh, campuses here. So Mayo's headquarters are in Rochester, Minnesota, but Mayo Lacrosse is is one of the big cornerstones of this community. We also have uh, one of the larger state colleges here, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, has a big outdoor rec program. Um, and lots of students, I worked in the, you know, I worked in the universities for years. When you talk to students, they came here because of the outdoor access and that's across majors and disciplines. So we've got uh, the Turbo University and Western Technical College and a lot of other businesses um, that, that are anchored here. And um, the people who come here and the people who are from here constantly see lacrosse as a place that is a great place to live. And so there are lots of ways that we, we raise funds. We have, um, you know, we have our, our monthly sustaining donors. We have different fundraisers throughout the year. We have a Trail Lovers Ball, uh, which is, is a big fun event that gets thrown. And over the years, Aura has put forward visions for very specific initiatives. And the community steps up and says, yes, that's a great idea for this place. And it's not just an outdoor recreation. We have um, we have one of five all-access playgrounds, uh, all-abilities playgrounds, over at one of our community parks called Train Park that is uh, at the forefront of innovative play for children of all abilities. We have a thriving downtown. It's Thursday uh, on the, at the park at the riverfront. There's going to be thousands of people gathering for this big thing called Moon Tunes, where everybody gets together to listen to a band. There's going to be food trucks and beer trucks, and people will ride their bikes to it. And the local bike shop 
has a bike corral so you can safely check your bike in. And lacrosse is all about, like, if you, we have the biggest Oktoberfest in the Midwest, if not North America. I, I don't want to get that wrong, but lacrosse loves a good idea that leads towards people thriving. And so I feel like that's part of Aura's story is one, we have, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our team who's been here a lot longer than me and our board, they've been putting out big, audacious outdoor recreation visions, and then they've gotten them accomplished. And then each time they, you know, fundraise for these projects and chase down big, significant gifts for these projects, the whole community benefits from it, which gives us the platform to do even bigger and bolder things. And so I would think, I think a big part of Aura's success is lacrosse's community spirit and the greater lacrosse region, I should say as well. And that the people in the outdoor community here are passionate about it. And, you know, we have multiple trail work nights every week. And for a lot of people that I would say isn't just how they go and they give back to the land and to stewardship of the place, but these are where we build friendships and communities. I'm always, I'm always taken by the statistics, especially about American men, and that we're in a loneliness crisis right now that a lot of Americans feel like they don't have friends and they don't have significant relationships. Um, and in lacrosse, I mean, yeah, show up to, if, if you show up to a work night on the trails, you're going to leave with 12 new best friends probably because that's the type of welcoming inclusive environment that Aura fosters and we get really good work done. And you can just see that there's a sense of pride and joy about the work that we do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, w- I will say uh, you, you've definitely sold me on the area. I will, uh, <laughs> it sounds, it sounds, uh, We'd love to you around. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of as, you know, it's, it's, you know, kind of keep the conversation going and, you know, kind of, Oh, but then there's also this and there's also that. So it's, it does sound like a really um, awesome place and, and an awesome community that, that supports, um, the well the community <laughs> so um no that's that's great so is there is there i guess is there anything else that, that we might have not covered that that we should uh you know get out there on these airwaves um because I, I know there's a lot going on uh, as you mentioned uh you know you somebody will listen to this but oh you forgot about this this and this um is, is there anything else that we might have overlooked um what i guess maybe the two things that i that really come to mind uh, and this is something that I've learned over the past eight weeks as I've been doing the development work I've been doing, and I've been kind of sitting at the feet of our executive director. He, his, uh, if you had an interview with him, you could easily make it a 12-hour interview uh, about all types of things. Um, but one of the things that I've been learning is uh, these, uh, he's directing me towards these shift principles about that good, good conservation is good recreation and good recreation is good conservation. And I think we're in a moment where we know uh, the reality about this, this ecological crisis we're in the middle of. And I really believe with all my heart that in order to step up to this moment and answer the big needs around us, that recreation has a huge role to play because if we want to, um, you know, keep this this beautiful planet we're on going along as a hospitable place for people, we need people. Frankly, the way I think about it is is people who love being outdoors so much that they want to find any and every way to protect it and expand it. And I think recreation is where that begins because you know um, 
there's a Senegalese forester uh, that the UN had sent to India. And I, I cannot remember his name. And I'm going to gloss his quote and paraphrase. But, you know, he said, basically, people will only protect what they love and they only love what they know. Last night, I was part of this uh, adventure team we've got going on, which is this kid's mountain bike clinic. I've got my two daughters in it. I'm not so much a mountain biker, but I'm all about anything that gets kids outside. I'm more of a cross-country skier and a trail runner myself. So, but I'm coaching in this mountain bike clinic with people who know way more about mountain bikes than I do. I, I just rock along to make sure everybody's safe, using my woofer skills. And <laughs> But what, what I see is kids, they're learning how to mountain bike, and that's awesome. But they're gaining all these other life skills that will help advance all aspects of their life. And at a young age, when people have the opportunity to fall in love with the outdoors, which is where we all belong anyways, they're going to want to work towards expanding and protecting these access to these beautiful places and restoring the places that need restoration. So I think good recreation is one of the ways we work ourselves out of the mess that we've created for ourselves. Yeah. And and, it, and no, well, I was just going to say that, like you said, it kind of goes full circle. You know, you have the, the outdoor activities, but then you're also helping the outdoors at the same time. So it's, it's just kind of chases the tail in, in a good way. Absolutely. And the other thing that I would say I'm daily truly humbled by is we're taking on all of these big initiatives. And we've taken on this huge project to help uh, lead the vanguard on an even bigger project in our area. And it all started with like 20 people who cared, who said, let's, let's do this together. And so for anybody listening, wherever your, your audience is, if, if you're in one of those places that doesn't have an aura, doesn't have uh, you know other trail organizations, go be it. Go be that initial group of be part of that initial group of 10, 20, 30 people who say, you know what, we want good outdoor recreational access here. And because you never know in 20 years who's going to be hired on to help spearhead a gigantic project that you could have never envisioned 20, you know, when you first started out. And so um, now is the time, now is the time to act and now is the time to plant these seeds and now is the time to do big, bold things for ourselves and the generations that will come after us. Yeah, I, no, absolutely. I, I love that. And I, I think that kind of leads into, uh, you know, the question that, um, you know, I always ask our guests um, and which is kind of one piece of advice for our, our audience. And like you just said, you know, if, if you are that small group and there's not a, an organization like we're there or another organization, you know, be, be the, the group that starts that. So, but to that point to, you know, come together and start that, like, what would your advice be to them? Like, what are some commonalities that, that you've seen, like with your time around there of like how to, you know, get, you know, like kind of like the quote you said, you know, um, you know, protect what, you know, um, but what, how do you, how do you get people to know that, that might not know that if, um, you know, if it's only a small, small group of you that are, you know, here to make that initiative, how what would your advice be to kind of grow that outwards into a larger part within that community? Invite everybody you know, and don't just invite, but invite them to come with you outside doing something you love to do. You know, if you are a hiker, invite somebody who hasn't hiked out to go out hiking with you. If you are a mountain biker or a road biker or a paddler, if you are into forest bathing or if you're somebody who is just super stoked about big blue stem and prairies, 
Whatever it is you love, I guarantee your passion is contagious. And so invite people. And then I would say also look around at your community and ask the hard questions about, and who in our community, what barriers are there in our community that are keeping different marginalized groups, different uh, abilities? What, what is keeping people from enjoying the outdoors? Because the outdoors belongs to everybody. And then uh, invite those people to help teach you on what it would look like to expand access and opportunities. And I think if we do those things, if, if we just let our enthusiasm be contagious and if we're willing to open our hearts to learn and to be pressed on things, I think, I think that um, you can go be the seed that grows something really big. And you know what? I would also say we also tend to think of things like we should start something to be really big. And, you know, if your group is 20 people and it stays 20 people for a while, but you're all having fun and joy and you're pouring into each other's lives and you're making the world a better place, you know, work the metrics that work for you. Don't compare yourself to the big trail organization, you know, up the state or down the road. Be who you are see what gifts you have, and then go do what matters. Yeah, no, I, I love that all, all aspects from the perspective of it to, uh, you know, learning and understanding about, you know, the groups that might, might not have that access um, and figuring out how to, um, you know, gain that access and then kind of be passionate to share that love for the outdoors with kind of everybody that, that you encounter. So um, where can people find you online to uh, learn more, uh, about what you have in, have going on, uh, definitely to make sure they they check out uh, the lacrosse area in general because it sounds uh, amazing. And then you know maybe they can uh, lend a hand while they're up that way. Absolutely. So our website is Aura. So that's O R A AuraTrails.org. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Um, and then we would invite all of you to come to lacrosse. Come check it out if you have vacation time. If you have a weekend. Come visit us. Come check out our trails. Uh, this last week, we hosted uh, a huge um, a trails fest with mountain bike races through this uh, through this war series, this Wisconsin off road series. Uh, we this last weekend we had the Goose Island Grind, which was a canoe race. Um, we've got kids clinics. We've got all these things happening. This weekend, we're having a women's mountain bike clinic hosted through our friends at Smith's Bike Shop and Aura together. And so this is a great place. Uh, also, we've got a really fun downtown. So I just would love, you know, oftentimes in the Midwest, people think of it as flyover country. And we would invite you to rethink that and come bring uh, however it is you move through the outdoors. Bring that th here to us and come play here. We'd love to have you. And while you're here, um, if you're inspired, uh, we were we were talking that what we want to do at the next Trails Fest is, is have a big jobs board. Check out how you can come put some roots down in this community and join in the work we're doing if you're inspired. Um, I don't, there's, there's so many ways to get involved, and uh, Lacrosse is really hospitable. We're right off of Interstate 90. We've got an airport. Uh, if you're really bold, you know, you can just paddle the Mississippi to us. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah uh, everybody definitely make sure uh, you check them out, get your uh, canoe or kayak or whatever ready so you can go up the Mississippi uh, to visit. Uh, that'd be an adventure in itself. But um, I definitely uh, appreciate your time uh, sharing your story, your kind of passion for the outdoors and then how you're now kind of using uh, Aura or helping Aura, you know, kind of spread that out even greater into 
uh, you know, your your beautiful town, uh, which it sounds like. So I wish you all the the best of luck in this in this progress or this project. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Hey, thanks so much, Jeremy. And thank you for the work you're doing on advocacy. And I was poking around your website and I'm definitely ordering one of those canoes all loaded up with fun canoe gear t-shirts for myself. <laughs> That's a fun one. I appreciate it. That's what it's all about is finding these different uh, organizations to work with and, and promote that are, you know, doing great things within the outdoors. And um, yeah, like I said, I definitely appreciate what you all are doing um, up that way. And I'm, I'm happy to have uh, stumbled upon you. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for this this time. And, and I'll just say it one more time. Come on up here sometime. Let me know when you're here. So Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.